Before we jump into this episode, let's hear from our friend Joseph and the Cognitive Discourse. Why, hello there. I'm about to make a prediction. And that prediction is, you like podcasts. If that's true, then make your way over to the Cognitive Discourse, where we have monologues, short stories, and open discussions. And every now and then I get a little ranty. If this sounds like something you're interested in, then go check us out. We're streaming on all major platforms, and hell, we're even on YouTube. New episodes out every Friday. I hope to see you there. I am Matthew Thomas, and this is Super Cool Radio. I got a great guest with me at this time. He's an incredible guitarist and part of a killer arena rock band known as Tour Titans of Unforgettable Rock. Please welcome Fred Hicks. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. All right. Looking forward to it. <laughs> so before we get started, one person I got to thank for this great interview that is promoter Christina Avila. So big shout out to her for making this interview possible. She does so much great work with many uh, awesome artists. Uh, and uh, before we dive into everything, uh, I want to start with a fun question, Fred. Uh, sure, sure. So I'm going to put you on the spot. Uh, if you were taking a trip and you could only listen to three albums on this trip, which ones would you bring? Oh boy, that's a good question. There's there's too many I'd probably probably would bring, uh, but since you asked that question, um, I probably would bring um, Led Zeppelin um, for the '70s. It's kind of my shtick, so um, it would be uh, any of the Led Zeppelin albums were great back in that day. Um, um, another one would probably be Aerosmith. Get your wings. That got me started in rock and roll in general um and then probably another one would be uh i've always liked lynch mob for some reason so um robert mason's just a great great vocalist and i kind of love what he does with it yeah uh it was funny i was just talking about lynch mob with my brother before this interview uh because that's uh, D uh dawkins guitarist he's part of that right that he's part of lynch mob i, I believe Correct. right yes george lynch yes Yes, see? Yeah, we were just talking about because uh, I went to a CD convention uh, earlier today, and uh, we were looking through CDs, and like there was like, uh, one booth had like a bunch of lynch mob stuff, so I was going through that, and I go, there's some pretty good stuff here. It's excellent. It's a, it's a great album. Um, it really kind of got me really stuck on George Lynch. Um, in the earlier days, we liked docking, um, and then once they split up and he got into the lynch mob, um, he actually had Oni Logan singing on his first album but robert mason sang on his second album both are great vocalists i just tended to like to uh robert mason a little bit more 
a little bit. No, I got you. Both both are solid albums, and it's kind of it's in. Uh, Docket is still going. Obviously, I think you just started the world tour, or well, a uh, 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 U.S. tour, I should say. Uh, so I think you just started that a few weeks ago, too. I think I think you're correct. Um, I know George has been involved in several different bands during the year, so um, it's always interesting to see what he's doing. Definitely, for sure. So the three albums I was thinking of, the first one, uh, I got to go with L.A. Guns, their first album. Uh, I just love that album. It just it, it's like hard hitting. You know, it's, it's hard rock music. It's just it, it's so just. I mean, obviously eighties, but also just really awesome at the same time. Good so, choice. I would go with that one. I would go with uh, uh, Iggy, Iggy and the Stooges' Raw Power because that's just a classic album in its own right and uh, just awesome from front to back. Uh, and then Highway to Hell by ACDC. <laughs> that's a, that's a really good one. Yes, I haven't. I haven't listened to that whole album probably in a while. Yeah, I, I just had it on my way back to my house. And that's just, I mean, that was like the pinnacle of Bon Scott. It would have been interesting where they went away with him. But that's just, it's just a good album. Yes, he, he went away way too early. Oh, yeah. It would have been interesting what ACDC would have done uh, with him continuing on with the Back in, uh, back in Black album. If they, I mean, if they would have done it uh how they would have done it but it you never know but it would have been very interesting to see where they would have went absolutely but <laughs> uh focusing on you obviously i'm, I'm chatting with uh awesome guitarist fred hicks so uh how did you get started as a musician and what drew you to playing guitar so in my teenage years uh about the age of 14 um me and a friend of mine went to this concert it was ronnie montrose with uh Sammy Hagar. Um, so I think it was, uh, I think Robin Trower was headlining. There was three bands back in the day. You could, you could 10 or $15 for three bands, which was great. So we went to that concert and I, you know, we looked at each other and I, that's what I want to do. So <laughs> we decided we'd buy guitars uh, and we bought acoustic guitars and then we bought some electric guitars um, and some little small cheap amps. Nothing, uh, nothing expensive. Our parents weren't going to go for it back then. So we, uh, we started doing that. And then, um, I don't know, around the age of 18, um, and I was just a rhythm guitarist then, um, some friends of mine said, hey, man, why don't you be a front man? And I said, I don't know. I'll try it out. It's, it's really hard getting used to doing something without nothing in your hands. I didn't know what I was really doing, but I got into it. And for the next, I don't know, 20, 35 years, that's what I did. Um, so um, when we started tour, um, I had met a guitar, a really good guitar player, Mick Peace. Uh, he was just shredder. And we talked about it. And we were going to do this Van Halen thing. And everyone was doing Van Halen. So yeah. before Eddie passed away. Um, so we decided that, you know, let's let's kind of put that in the back burner for a little bit and kind of think about that. And then Mick called me up one day and said, hey, Fred, I've got a great idea. Um, it should be right in the pocket for you. Uh, let's do docking. I said, you know, I, I did docking when I was younger and we had a uh, we had cover bands. And I, said, I always kind of struggled with that. But, I, you know, I said, let's give it a shot and see what happens. So uh, we did. And it turned out really great. So I said, we were stuck. And then we said, well, well, we need one more thing that we want to do. We're going to do rap. 
Um, just want to bring the ladies into it, you know. Um, so that's how that kind of worked out with that. Uh, but throughout the years, I mean, you know, I, I went back and forth with guitar, back and forth. And now, now I still play rhythm and sing and uh, tour has some plans for that later on. Um, right now we're just doing the, uh, the docking and the rat and we'll probably do that for the next year, maybe year and a half till we get everything nice and solidified. And then we're going to expand out a little bit further. That all sounds very cool. I do want to cover tour, but just, just real quick. So like, did you find the hard transition going from just playing guitar to being a front man without guitar? I did. It was, it, for me, it was real difficult just not having anything in your hands. When you're used to having something in your hands and you're playing, you're kind of preoccupied with what's going on with the guitar and, um, and everything with the band. And so I was just singing backups back then. And then uh, some of the leads. Um, so once I switched over to that, it took me, uh, it took me about a year to kind of get used to that, really feel comfortable with what I was doing because I really didn't know what to do or, you know, we, of course we didn't have much, many things with videos. So, uh, VHS back. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you have these cameras and everything else to go along with it. Um, but it, it kind of, it schooled me in what I really need to do. Once I looked at the videos, I was going, yeah, you're looking a little weird. You better get that together. <laughs> a lot more time out on the road helped out with that. <laughs> yeah, it, but it's just, I always kind of ask that question when they transition from like an instrument to just being a front man with you know, other bands and obviously with you. It's always kind of different because uh, obviously you're going from playing guitar and uh, now to just standing there with the mic and you have to also be entertaining but not weird at the same time. There's a fine balance between that. It is. It is. And it takes a while just to get used to that and feel comfortable with it. Um, you know, videos do help because that way you can look and go, okay, I see what I need to do now. And kind of, you can polish it up and look better, you know, the next time. Um, the more you do it, the better it gets, obviously. So um, it, it took a little while. Then I had to work on the image because back then we had the hairspray and uh, the, the big hair. So that was really funny to see me back then with hairspray. Um, and we always had this mullet cut going on. I don't know why. <laughs> so, it was short on the top and long on the sides. You know, it was, it looked terrible. Two songs in, and and the and the uh, the hairspray was gone because you're sweating. You know, so it was it was a futile effort. Uh, but we kept we kept final net in business. I, we bought it by the case. <laughs> How much hairspray did you use in a week back then? Oh gosh, don't ask. We played <laughs> we played seven nights a week. So I know I know I went through at least two bottles a week. You know, trying to keep it up, keep the air up. You know, so it was, it was, it was ridiculous. And the whole band's doing it. You know, not just me, but the whole band. So. Oh wow! Yeah, you definitely uh, you kept uh, the hairspray business in for a very long time with those profits. Yes, and added that spandex, which was even worse. Now that I think about the way we look with spandex on, finally we we figured out we're not just going to wear spandex, guys. We're going to take jeans and just rip them all up so there's not much left of them. And that way the spandex are kind of showing through. So we kind of felt a little more comfortable with that. But not all of us look good in spandex. So it wasn't it wasn't a good thing. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a hard image to pull off. Even I mean, even if you're in really good shape, it's still, uh, you know, it still depends. <laughs> yes. And no one wants to see guys in spandex after they're 50. So, I mean, yeah. So, <laughs> so we won't see you in spandex anymore? No, no. 
it's uh, it's it's either leather or some um, custom jeans with leather in it. Uh, no more spandex, please. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome! That's awesome. So, I was a big reason I want to chat with you. So, and you covered it a little bit with tour titans of unforgettable rock. Uh, so how did you know, obviously you kind of started with uh, the origin of that, but how did how did that come up? Like, what was the idea behind it, and now how has it evolved to present day? Sure. So um, after Mick and I got together, we needed a bass player and a drummer, and so Todd Sharon was one of the drummers we were considering. And um, Todd has this great talent for coming up with um, marketable ideas, and um, he knew the bass player, so um, we started talking to Todd. And a few weeks later, we were thinking about a name, how to come up with this, and how we're going to try to market this. And Todd was sitting there. He goes, "I came up with a name now, and it's Tour." And we're going, "Tour? What's what's up with that?" He goes, "What's T dot U dot you know O dot R dot Titans of Unforgettable Rock?" Went, oh, that's great. How he said it took me a few weeks to come up with it, but that's that's how it ended up coming to fruition. So um, once we did that and had the name, then we could actually pull in the bass player, and then the bass player came up with our um, our description. So if you've gone up on our page and you see the description of our page and the reviews, he wrote all the reviews, which we didn't have any at the time. So he came up with these really creative ideas, and they were so funny. We laughed for hours after he did that. And um, so it, it just seemed to work out really well. Unfortunately, um, those two members moved on um, to something else they wanted to do. So we wish them well with what they're doing. And we do have a couple new members that we're working in right now. I've got a, um, I've got a new drummer that used to be toured with um, Whitesnake back in the day. So he did a, you know, a, you know one of their tours. Uh, Richard Carbo, and then we have Roger Stevenson on uh, bass now. So um, that should be interesting. We'll see how this is going to work out. So a um, couple more months and um, in rehearsals, and we should be back out at it. Definitely. It, it sounds like a very awesome, uh, I would say, rock experience that is tour. And I think it's it's really cool. So like, what can people expect uh, when they see tour live? So tour, what we what we try to do, we don't obviously we don't look like them. I don't look like Don Dockin because I've got blonde hair, but um, <laughs> but what we try to accomplish with tour is the arena. We want to have the uh, arena feel. So when you went to the arena shows back in the eighties, there's masses of lights, there were smoke machines, lasers. Um, sometimes there were pyrotechnical things going on in the background. Some of the clubs allow that, some don't now. Um, so we try to recreate those sites and sounds and the feel of the whole, the ambience of the whole experience from the eighties and bring that back um, just to kind of pay tribute to those bands that were iconic and, you know, for us, um, you know, so, um, and, and Dokken and Rat surely bring that out. Um, so we've got some great light shows. Um, we've got a good, really good sound man when we, we have this out. So um, the show's really really come together especially once you bring all the lights into it um the bigger the venue obviously the bigger the light show uh, the bigger the pa so we want everyone to go when they walk and go wow so uh, you don't really see that much now um 
but with cover bands, it's that's what that's what separates us from being a cover band and a tribute act. Um, so again, we don't we don't really try to look like them. We damn sure like to sound like them, uh, and we try to recreate that studio album that they had. So um, we might go a little bit out of bounds with the um, with the leads and the the endings and the beginnings, but other than that, we kind of stick to the formats pretty tight. That that all sounds like really awesome. As I said, an experience, especially like light shows. Honestly, I think they're awesome. I, I think they're so underused nowadays where it's kind of more just like a basic rock show. But like back then, even though I'm obviously not old enough to be going to shows in the eighties, but it was uh, from what I've seen, obviously on TV, like obviously if I kiss docking all those other great uh, acts and performers, it was really a show more than a concert. Oh yes. Even Motley Crue back in the eighties, this awesome child. I'll never forget the uh, first time I saw Motley Crue and I was, I was just in awe. Um, I wasn't into the band as much, but after that, after that show, I was. I was. Wow, this guy's been fantastic for one hell of a show. Tommy Lee doing this thing upside down and on this drum set, and you know, I'm thinking, well, we're not going to be able to do that because you know, obviously there'd be too much liability if our drummer falls out. Uh, you know, he'll be a paraplegic, so we don't want that to happen. <laughs> just make sure you're strapped in really good. Just duct tape him to the seat; it'll be good. Right, yeah, a bungee cord would be ac excellent. That way, you'd pop back into the seat. You know, so. oh, that would be a good idea. <laughs> you can drop over top, come back down, get some high fives. <laughs> that might be, you might have to include a part of the show, man. I think that'd be good. Yeah, I mean, even Bon Jovi did that. Now, of course, I wouldn't know if I'd want to strap in and just jump out across the stage and have them, you know, zip line me across everything. But um, uh, you know. That would be fun, but again, the, do I want to take the risk? So. <laughs> there seems to be a lot of liability, and there are a lot of things that could go wrong. But if you pull it off, you could be a legend. That's right. Exactly. That. Exactly. So I mean, and of course, obviously, in the smaller clubs, we couldn't do that. No. Um, so we, we really try to stick to the uh, the, the larger cl clubs where they're three, five hundred at a minimal on up, um, and it's nice to get into the bigger venues where they're 2500 plus um so that makes things a lot more when you have a sea of people it's just a lot more fun oh, oh yeah and that's with any show like the more people the more people that are into the show it's gonna be a really good show i've i've been to shows where it's like there's like 10 people around and uh they're not as fun definitely <laughs> not as fun. but you gotta as a musician if, if you're doing what we do then whether there's 10 or 10,000 you've got to perform just as well so i mean you know, it's, it's all just yeah very true. In some interest, you did uh, talk about it briefly. I do want to cover it a little bit more. Uh, so, like, what is like the big difference between like a cover band and a tribute band? So, cover bands, are, in general, will have more of a variety of what they do. Um, you know, the, the members of the band will say, "Well, I'll, I want to do Priest, I want to do Doc, and I want to do Aerosmith," or and they might go a little more mainstream, you know, with radio stuff. Um, a good example was back in the day we used to do a song by the tubes uh, called talk to me talk to me later. Um, it's got a lot of keyboards in it um, a lot of people don't probably don't know it now but back then in the 80s um when we pulled that off it was real popular so um you know in the clubs in order to keep people with uh, with cover tunes you've got to touch on what they like not really like what you like it's what they like so um, with Doc and we kind of get, I mean, with the, um, with tour, 
we kind of get a little bit more artistic value out of that. So we can present what we really liked when we were growing up and what was popular. So we still pick the popular songs. Um, and obviously there's songs in there in the, in the set list where you don't have uh, what was considered a lot of radio play. Um, so um, now rat, almost everything that you do, <laughs> they had radio play. So uh, docking could get a little bit obscure, but yeah, that's the difference. And so, and then we, we always, when I, you'll see me, you'll hear me mention a lot of things about being iconic. So when I say iconic, we're choosing those bands that would, if, if they put on ticket sales, Guns N' Roses, they'd sell out in probably maybe hours or a day. So, and that's the bigger difference. Um, the other bands that we did, we love them all. I mean, Aerosmith, Judas, whether it's Judas Priest or anything else that you could possibly think of that were in the 80s or even the 70s, um, people like. So we just, the difference is, um, is the way we can present it and then what we actually choose to do. Um, and again, so we can go back and forth over, okay, well, what, what was more popular as far as cover tunes? And a lot of bands don't take a lot of time with covers to really work out all the nuances within the songs. So getting all these elements together and having the drummer know his parts really well, and then the singer and the, and the guitar player, and everything pulls together nice and tight with that unit. Um, that's kind of what makes us a little different. Yeah, I, I really like the uh, your explanation for that because, like, uh, there's like a lot of like cover bands where I am where I am in the Midwest where it's like mostly they just play kind of they go from like oh here's an Aerosmith song here's a Journey song Motley Crue like they kind of just jump around with songs and you can kind of tell like they're kind of just kind of playing it they're not really like into the into the music or like really know it uh like the back of their hand like you can tell sometimes with bands but like i've seen some really great tribute bands like there's some really great ones touring right now that act you know like there's like a disturbed one and like uh you know obviously seven dust there's like a bunch of huge tribute bands and like they're they're almost spot on to like the actual band itself it's very impressive it is it is uh i've seen a lot of bon jovi bands a lot of acdc bands uh like you said journey um there's there's several local tribute bands here that are really excellent um, that do Journey and stuff like that. So, um, and, and the good thing about that is is you can actually lift these, these your group up where you can actually you can go, you can stay state local, you can go regional, or you can actually go national with it. Now you know that's that's something we really want to do is get to where we can be on a national level, and. Uh, go all around the United States with that. With COVID now, you know, it's kind of, yeah. everything's kind of changing. Um, so let's just hope we get through all that. It seems like we are. Um, and then we can get back to doing what we love to do and give the fans what they want. So, um, and that's really the, the most important thing. Give them what they want. We get what we want. They get what they want. We all have good fun doing Exactly. Entertaining the masses. That is always the uh, number one goal. That, that's, I think, uh, for every band. Oh, absolutely. And you want that sea of people. I mean, you know, if I could have 25,000 people in front of me a night, bring it on, you know. So. <laughs> that would be awesome. <laughs> Some, so obviously you're, you are a vocalist, but also, you, as you said, you play rhythm guitar. But, like, for some of those songs, like Dockin' and Rat, like, you really got to, like, you know, uh, really have to have good uh, vocal cords and uh, voice for some of those lyrics and pitches. So, like, 
do you do anything like do you warm up before you take the stage before you sing yeah so we we do warm up one of the tricks we did and i learned this back when i was first playing because we were playing seven nights a week and so we tune down a half a step now a lot of people don't really realize that or that it makes that much of a difference it makes a big difference if you're a vocalist do it <laughs> because i'm telling you you'll save your voice and it depends on how much you play um we usually play during the week, you know, if it's um, three, maybe four times a week. Um, and it varies. Sometimes it's just the weekends. Um, it just depends. But all of us are semi-retired, and we can, we have the freedom to do that now. We don't have to have our regular jobs because we're semi-retired. So with, with our day job and uh, what we did to pay the bills. But now we can have fun. So um, it, it's, it's interesting once you get to that point. Yeah, definitely. I, I always, I always kind of ask, especially like if you're doing uh, tributes uh, music, it's always you have to sound obviously very similar, especially some of those bands like from like the 70s and 80s. Uh, uh, some of them can't even match what they did back then because obviously they're older and you know, obviously it's different. So it's always interesting, like when um, how you prepare for stuff, because obviously some people's voices are still good compared to others. Like I know. Vince Neil is kind of you know with the voice with this voice, but you know it's always uh, it's always cool. It's always interesting. But yes, definitely uh, vocal uh, warmups and training very important as well. Yeah, we do that. And I, when I grew up um, vocally, I grew up so my parents were real strict Baptists. We had to go like church like four times a week. But I was very involved with the, the choirs, so from children's choirs to the youth choir, and so that's really how I got. My vocal abilities up and going because um, a lot of stuff we did either a cappella or we did it with an accompaniment. So um, in the in the church choir, we had like 180 people in our church in our youth choir. It was a huge thing. We used to do tours. Um, it was it was fun. So uh, um, we were we were we were hellions while we were out there. We shouldn't have been because we should have been representing what we were doing. But we were we got in a little bit of trouble while we were at the hotels and stuff. So, but other than that, um, that's where most of my vocal training came from. And we definitely do the warm-ups before we go on. So there's a, there's a repertoire of things we do. Of course, some of it's boring, you know, so, you know, you do your, your consonants and uh, or your vowels and you go through that like three or four times and are y'all good. You're good. Okay, let's go. You know, and then we might do, um, Every now and then we'll just do an acapella thing with the Eagles, you know, so because um, they always had the, the best oohs and ahs in the business. So we kind of do that a little bit. Or Yes was another good thing, good band that did that. So they did those little things that we call them hoots. You know, hoo, 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 hoo. And we would do that. So we, then we start, okay, you, you harmonize and we break it down in three and four parts. Um, fortunately, with, um, with Tiro, when we had um, – Todd and, and the bass player, um, they they all sang. So we would work on this. Um, now we have Richard sings and the, the, the drummer sings, and he sings all the higher parts, which really helps. Now, Mick can sing these really, really high parts. And I can, too, if I'm just singing guitar and, and playing and singing backups. Um, but I won't usually go for those really high backup notes. I'll let them do that. Since I'm being the lead singer and I'm out front, then I just, yeah. I'll stick to my part and let them do what they got to do. It's on them. So, but yeah, we do we do a lot of uh, vocal warm ups, especially before we go on. Um, another good tip I had um, when I was younger, 
I was in this band. It was I, obviously my stage name is Freddie Lips. So I had this band called Lips. And my guitar player, Chris Husted, he, um, he knew these guys. And they were called uh, White Heat. It was out of Rich, Richmond, Virginia. And so White Heat did a lot of original material. And they were looking for a singer. And they got a guy named Carl Snare. So Carl Snare is now the singer for um, see, Senior Moment. <laughs> um, trying to think of the name of their band. I can picture them. Um, finally found the love of a lifetime. What's that song? Um, oh, boy. I'm trying to think of the name of the band right now. Yeah. Um, uh, it's not Great White, is it? No. Um, love of a lifetime. No. It'll, it'll pop up on me soon. I should have mentioned it now that I forgot the name. Um, but Carl sings for them, and he was he was an opera singer. So he used to come up to me and goes, did you do your warm-ups? And what warm-ups? He goes, follow me. So he showed me some warm-ups. He goes, so what are you drinking? He goes, Pepsi. I said, Pepsi. He goes, bad. Caffeine's bad. Don't do that. You know. So he gave me all these this list of stuff, do's and don'ts for, for singers. So uh, what you can find it, you can Google it now. And you, uh, so if you're a singer, look it up because you need to know um, that you need to keep your voice in shape. There's a lot to do that, um, especially as you get older. So you, you definitely want to stay loose. Yes, definitely. It's uh, I, I'm always, like I'm actually for my podcast because I do it so often. Like uh, a few <laughs> interviews ago, like I, my voice kind of gave out. So I've been actually like looking up uh, vocal uh, uh, warm ups and training, just even though I'm not singing or yelling or anything. It's like. I'm constantly using my voice for these podcasts and episodes. So like I'm always, I'm, I'm trying to actually get into good habits of keeping my voice for it doesn't uh, go out on me. Yes. And you know, I know when I was, when I was playing seven nights a week and my vocal instructor was telling me, you know, Fred, you can't do that. You can't sing three nights. I mean, three hours a night, seven nights a week, you're going to lose your voice. And she was right. So I lost my voice. I can remember many years. It, would, you know, it seemed like every year, it was almost like a seasonal thing. I'd lose my voice for three months. And, and she was definitely on me. You cannot, you cannot do that. Do not. I, I won't teach you anymore if you do this. So, um, so we had to cut back. But it did, she was right. It, it definitely helped with that. And um, so live and learn, folks, because, you know, you're not Iron Man. You, you know, I can change the string of my guitar. I can't do that with my vocals. <laughs> you know, be, that'd be very tricky. <laughs> to try that. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. Less an operation on your, your vocals, and we don't want to have to go through that. <laughs> Definitely not. That doesn't sound very comfortable. So uh, a couple of things before, as I, as I wrap up this interview, I'm going to end with a fun question. So uh, what music have you been listening to this week? This week, let me see. I was listening to uh, Get Your Wings, um, and – Obviously, I'm always listening to the docking and the rat almost on a weekly basis just to make sure I'm not missing things because I'm always going, wait a minute. I really didn't realize that one little part was in there. So let, let me go back and let's redo that. So I'm always rehashing that. Um, and uh, one of my other favorite bands is Queensryche, obviously, the, the original Queensryche. Yes. So um, go back to that. And I love Jeff Tate during that era. What a singer that guy was. Incredible. Even the vocals in that band. I mean, th those are the things that I always look for in a band. If I could, if I could be personally part of a band, 
is you know is the backing vocals. So um, today you don't really need it so much because it's a little heavier. Um, I still like those bands, and once again, that's why we go back to those iconic bands that we liked in the '80s because they actually did that, and it, to me, it just sounded better. Um, but it's all personal taste. Uh, music is. Uh, very very subjective, but it's also obviously many people can like uh, the same kind of music. Uh, this week, I've been listening to LA Guns, as I kind of said in the beginning of this episode. Been really listening to them this week because uh, they really rock. They really do. So. Uh, LA Guns, I like. Um, and in in uh, in the earlier days, um, I really didn't know them that well. Know of them that well. Mick, he when he was out there in um, when he was younger. He went out to California, so he he kind of met these people all before they became something. Um, and if I'm not correct, let's see, L.A. Guns, and then um, one of the Tracy Guns, I think he was part of Guns and Roses, if I'm not correct, when they first started out. Um, so I don't know if they'll ever bring him back into the fray or not. Probably not. Now that they got Slash, they don't need him. So <laughs> yeah, you're probably you know Slash and Axl Rose. So, I mean, yeah. But yes, he was originally part of them. I think that's where they got the. He came up the L.A. Guns. The you know obviously Guns goes and Guns and Roses. So very closely related. I, I found that up a found that out a few years ago for my boss, like my former boss. He's like, you listen to L.A. Guns. You know he used to be part of Guns and Roses. I was like, what really? He's like, yeah, look it up. So I'm like, oh, you're right. <laughs> yeah, Axl Rose, Tracy Guns, uh, Guns and Roses. There you go. That was a great concept, by the way. I mean, you know, fortunately they could use their their last name. So. Um, Worked out really well for them. Uh, both bands worked out really well. They're still out playing. They're still out doing their things. So uh, you know, kudos to those bands that are doing that because, uh, um, you know, it's the eras of those bands are s slowly coming to an end, which is sad. Um, let's hope yeah. the young people just carry it on. You know, so. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's a lot of definitely uh, up and coming bands with those kind of like, you know, 70s and 80s vibes. So I'm definitely very curious where they're going to go. You know, obviously like, you know, bands like obviously Greta Van Fleet, Dirty Honey, those kind of bands. So I'm very curious, like how the, what their legacy is going to be and how they progress as well. It's going to be interesting, you know, so music always has its ebbs and flows. Um, I can remember when I was presenting tapes and CDs to uh, record labels and, you know, you sound dated not dated what's that mean you know you know like 80s and oh man so that's like the kiss of death <laughs> so you don't want me no but you know you can stick to your guns or you could go with the trend you know and if you stick to your guns you can hope it all comes back around and you can start all over again i'll stick to my guns because that's what i do better so <laughs> i mean obviously i, I would rather you know if i was versatile enough to do things like Vetter and stuff like that, which I wasn't, um, that would have been a nice thing to step into. Seven Dust was in one of those bands that also did that too. They they all played in cover bands back before they actually got signed. I, I saw many of them in different bands, really good bands. Um, Seven Dust definitely changed things up. And they, they still bring in the backing vocals with the harmonies and stuff. So it's nice to see something heavy with those things. And so kudos to Seven Dust. I like it. <laughs> Seven, Dust, Seven Dust is very unique just because like they've done like all acoustic shows and I've talked to people who I haven't seen an acoustic show by Seven Dust but like I've talked to people who are big, who are big Seven Dust fans and then like they're like that acoustic show there was like it was so emotional especially with the different harmonies and the acoustic uh, version of the song that it was just really good so 
I, I they do a lot of different uh, elements, but like they can be really heavy, but also they can do acoustic songs really well as well. Yes, they present a great show. Lejean is a great singer. The whole band is awesome. Um, can't say enough about those guys. They're, they're just uh, since they're from Atlanta, and that's where I was for twenty years. Um, you know, I'm always supporting our Atlanta brothers. So, um, but they definitely pulled that one off really well. I look forward to seeing them again. Yeah, Seven does. Seven does is awesome. Also, shout out to the ATL as well because why not? <laughs> Yes, exactly right. <laughs> well, then uh, I'll be wrapping up this interview. As I said, definitely check out tour. Hopefully, uh, you know, obviously things are starting to open up. Hopefully you can see them live. I know it's going to be a great show. But, Freddie, how are you going to close out 2021? And what does 2022 look like? 2021, we're closing that out with actually rehearsals, getting getting this band back to where we needed to get before we go back on the road. 2022 is going to be exciting. So 2022, we want to actually do a full tour, U.S. tour. So that's the plan. Um, fingers crossed. Uh, we got to get it. We got to get together and get out of uh, playing in January. So we're going to do some uh, statewide shows here to kind of dust us off and polish everything up. And then hopefully we can get out there and do the, uh, the U.S. tour and probably start in late spring go through maybe november and then take a break and start all over again well, that's definitely really awesome uh, if you're up in my way in indiana i'll definitely i really really want to see you guys so it'll be awesome uh but hopefully all that works out hopefully there's a good 2022 and uh, a lot of great things should be happening but definitely it's check out uh, definitely check out tour titans of unforgettable rock freddie thank you so much for hanging out with me here on super cool radio Sure, thank you. And also look up us look us up on Facebook's tour, Titans of Unforgettable Rock. So you can find us there and find out where we're playing at. We'll have our tour dates, uh, where we're playing, where everyone can go. And I'm definitely gonna get out to the Midwest and meet you, brother. Yes, I, I look forward to it, definitely. Uh so yeah, the, the tour hopefully I hope it happens too, because I really want to meet you too. Awesome. We're looking forward to it. So I'll leave some links for tour in the description of this video. For Freddie Lips of Titans of Unforgettable Rock Tour, I am Matthew Thomas, the host of Super Cool Radio. Thank you so much for watching or listening. Stay frosty. Right on. Peace. <laughs>